You're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that closely examines every episode of The Sopranos, one at a time. This week we're talking about the fourth episode in season one, Meadowlands. So episode 1.4 aired January 31st, 1999. It was written by Jason Cahill, directed by John Patterson. HBO synopsis, Jackie Aprile's health worsens, forcing Tony to make a tough decision. Meanwhile, Anthony Jr. learns the true nature of his father's job in waste management. Also, Tony hires sleazy police lieutenant Vin McKazian to investigate Dr. Melfi's background. Uh, so where should we start, guys? I mean, you know where I always like to start things off is with the title, um, The Meadowlands. I think this episode is is shrouded in mystery all around. And by that, I mean, you know, Meadowlands, the first thing that I think of, and I don't know if you guys agree, but the first thing I think of when I hear the Meadowlands, I think of Jimmy Hoffa. On a hot summer day in 1975, 62-year-old Jimmy Hoffa left his house in Lake Orion, Michigan for a meeting at a restaurant. He never returned. And the mysterious situation surrounding his his death, you know, a lot of people think that he was rumored to be buried there. And I believe that's where Chrissy was kind of taken out the episode before and kind of threatened. You know, I think that the Meadowlands are just shrouded in mystery, and that's what this episode was like. So I think that this episode is aptly titled... The Meadowlands is the first episode, so when you think of Meadowlands and if you know anything about mafia history, that's typically where the bodies are buried. But this episode is the first episode where no one is actually killed. Obviously, somebody dies, but no one is killed, which is interesting. And the title suggests a name where the bodies are buried, like we talked about. So I thought it was a cool contrast deflection in the title. And it's also not a very Meadowland-sounding place. It's kind of a total urban, dump, yeah. toxic wasteland. Yeah. So... How uh, much did we diverge on the themes this week? Do you have any surprises before we kind of like try to sequence this, piece this together? Just my usual deep dives, um, questions, insights, thoughts. Theme one that I had was Tony's dream sequence. So the show starts with a dream sequence. You don't know it off the bat. If you haven't watched the show before, you're kind of wondering why Dr. Melfi is looking pretty seductive yeah. and uh, you kind of get a hint that it's a dream when you see Hesh kind of like escalator what are those people moving like an airport like terminal? the airport yeah yeah, yeah. he's people moving by which is some some kind of technique that we'll see in future dream sequences yeah yeah Everything about the dream sequence made me, watching it again, made me realize how consistent they were across the board. So they were pretty well conceived at the very beginning of the series, and they didn't really change too much. Let's see. So we see Hesh. We see Silvio. You kind of see Tony a little. He's basically nervous. You're wondering why. And it kind of is basically the crux of the whole episode that he is concerned that he's going to get found. Yeah. That people are going to find out that he's in therapy. Um, What do we think about that? Are we talking about the first theme or your second theme? Well, this is, is where your themes kind of get a little bit blurry with me. So the, I guess the dream, I guess the dream as a whole leads into the second theme. What do we want to say about dreams in general without giving away too much? What, what, is, uh, what is it about the dreams? What is it about Tony? For me, it's a way that, to get into his soul. It's a way to humanize him. It's a way for me to become more of a fan. I see his dreams as an extension of feelings that I have, feelings that a lot of Tony fans have. What do you guys think about his dreams? Yeah, I think Dr. Melfi's interaction with him gives us a stream of consciousness from him in a perfect way so we get to see what he's thinking. And then when you get into the dream sequence, it's more of a subconscious where 
you're sort of seeing his concerns, his fears, all the people in his life interacting in a really strange way that he's trying to interpret. The one thing that I did notice through the deep dive was that uh, there's a reference to the movie Psycho, uh, made in 1960. In Tony's dream, the chair spins around to reveal his mother, and in this case, it's similar to the way that the movie reveals the, the chair spin around. Interesting, I like that. that. I like that. It goes from uh, Melfi to Milfi. What is the... M- <laughs> Whoa, I like that. What, we're going to probably get questions about that, and what is the connection between Melfi and his mother? Other than the old country, what is the artistic well, intent? What is the storyline intent about turning the, starting with Melfi and then turning the chair around and it being his mother, Doctor Justin? Yeah, Doctor Justin. Well, well I, I think it's uh, Melfi kind of acts, and she she brings this up that she acts as his mother figure, but the mother that he's kind of always wanted, or better yet, uh, always needed. You know, his his mom hasn't been there to love him, to listen to him, most importantly, and she's she offers a kind of an ear that he doesn't necessarily get anywhere else, even in his home life with his wife, whether that's his decision or, or not, you know, he, he doesn't feel comfortable really talking about these deep thoughts that he has and these problems and these issues that he's trying to work through with anybody but her. So, you know, some, some people growing up in life, they have their mother to lean on. He, he doesn't. So he has to use Melfi as that tool. So a large part of what I've read is, the episode in general offers us a wonderful insight into the mob operation, but in a non-traditional way that we've experienced in other television shows or movies. And maybe the the balance is you've got Christopher who sort of wants to escalate it into this bloody war, and there's other people around Tony that want to bring this to a, a head. But subsequently, the episode really doesn't go to that level. It, it's more of a underlying tactical resurgence from Tony. Yeah, the the thing with Christopher that was amusing is that you get the sense that he is not calm and collected. He's very impulsive. It's a huge contrast between him and Tony that I think is going to be the the core sort of point of differentiation between the two of them. It's going to lead to a lot of their conflict. Mm -hmm. And you see it in the way he treats Adriana. He's very impulsive with her. And that scene where he is paranoid about coming out of the hospital. It could be anybody... Anytime. I don't even know if it's Tony who's after me. Christopher, you gave crystal meth to his daughter. Which I'm not sure he knows. Look at my wrist. I'm sorry. I am sorry, but I got dragged out to the fucking Meadowlands by my neck. Mock execution. Again, Christopher, to us, it's not apparent, but Christopher is a very fully formed character in the minds of the creators, in the minds of David Chase. And it's only more evident when you watch it and the, watch these first few episodes. Like they, they know who he is. And a lot of times when you watch shows or when you hear from creators who are writing, even George R.R. R. Martin with Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. When do you create the maps? Before, during, or after you write the story? The, the map creation is ongoing. Um, you know, when I, when I began back in 1991, I'd probably written like 50 pages, and I said, oh, I better create a map so I know where I am. He kind of figured out the characters as he went along a little bit. They know exactly who these people are, at least to this point. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. Like, yeah. there's so much story to be told, but everything that he's doing, all the quirks and all the mannerisms that he has in the beginning are the quirks and the mannerisms that create issues for him in the future. Yeah, and, so. and I, I see a lot of his problems, and just, just his personality is kind of a all brought in throughout pop culture when we think of mob history. You know, we think of, like, he brings up the Scarface reference in the show. Um, later on, you know, he, he brings up other, you know, he's watching too many movies. 
Obviously, we, we know he's in Goodfellas as one of the characters, Spider. Why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? Um, so I, I look at him as kind of piggybacking off what you said, John, about this is kind of the other side of the mob. Christopher kind of acts like the dramatic side. He is what he's watched. You know, he loves movies. He's He is Scarface. He is the Godfather. He really tries to emulate that. And that's what he kind of presents as his version of the mafia. And I, I got to say, because I was curious about what the DEFCON 4 was. I say we go to DEFCON 4. Gotta assess this, all right? What are we, politicians? Does this look like the Senate to you, T? This is about respect of our thing. Why don't you shut the fuck up? It doesn't concern you. Yes, it is. I represent you out there, and I'm tired of putting my tail between my legs. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Always with the scenarios. And I I think what Christopher was asking for wasn't that too outrageous. It, it's defined as the U.S. forces are actively gathering intel on global political events and are on the lookout for suspicious activity. DEFCON 4 is simply above normal <laughs> readiness and has been reached many times and it is no cause for panic. Well, so, yeah. Are you pointing to a flaw in the writing? I, I think either or a flaw in the character. I think it's I would a flaw never, I'd never give it to David Chase. but <laughs> requested, to J- Jason Cahill in this chance, but signed off by David Chase. No cause for, sure. for panic does not require bazookas in charm. Is there a higher level of DEFCON? Oh, yes. Oh, it, it's, five, it's five to one. There's five. Okay. A DEFCON one, we don't have a podcast anymore. <laughs> okay. It's nuclear war is imminent. And judging, oh, so it's in decreasing order. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. And judging right. by our location, I don't, I don't know if we'd be too close to the fallout yeah, downtown. Well, hof- yeah, yeah, hopefully we're safe. Um, okay, so theme two, like you aptly pointed out that I jumped the gun on. Tony's afraid about seeing Melfi. He has security concerns. There's not really much to say here other than I want to ask you guys, why do you think he's so obsessed with finding out about her? What is he hoping to accomplish? I, I think that there's a and, lot. And, and go yeah. ahead and introduce Vin McKazian. Yeah, so Vin McKazian is the lieutenant that um, Tony hires to kind of look into Melfi. The crooked and cop. He's a crooked cop, a degenerate on gambler take. on the take. The degenerate gambler. He, he's obviously not the too... retirement home piss out front. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, the, he's kind of introduced pissing outside of Green Grove uh, retirement community, similar to Captain Teebs. And uh, he, you know, he's just kind of a, a sleazy scumbag guy that's just trying to work off a debt that he owes Tony from, from gambling. I'm going to jump in on yeah. you real quick. I want to point out one thing about him. I, ju- I have a four-year-old and I just watched, well, this past uh, Christmas holiday, we watched Home, Home Alone. Home Alone yeah. And he loves Home Alone. And uh, John Hurd, who's the yeah. actor who yeah. plays Vin McKazian was the dad in Home Alone. Quite a role reversal. Yeah. yeah. He got an Emmy nomination for this For this? Role. Really? I believe he plays in three to four different episodes. He's only in season one, though. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He makes a brief cameo later on. Um, there is a beautiful line in, I'm probably going to do this on a weekly basis, but it's okay. Maybe we'll get the Sopranos autopsy to be a guest on the show one day. Um, but there's a beautiful line in there where he's talking about how the camera angles portraying John Hurd, Vin McKazian are tilted. And it's suggesting, or his thesis is that McKazian is not on the level. Um, mm. And I thought that was really interesting. There's the scene where he is, it's like a film noir kind of setting where he's tailing the guy that Tony wants. He basically wants, so he wants Melfi to be followed, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the guy that's driving her on this date, they have this altercation. It's a very dark scene. Vin McKazian kind of breaches the level of his 
permission and uh, the camera angles are such that he's it's off kilter, whereas the rest of the episode was on level. Interesting. Something that I didn't notice. I don't know if that was intentional, but I want to say, I want to believe that it is because it only happened for scenes with him in it. And then the other thing I'll say about Vin McKazian is that if you look at the backdrop of all of the, the scenes that he's in, it's very industrial, it's very raw, it's very sort of downtrodden. Mm. Again, this is all like a holistic look at not only writing this character, but putting him in a context. On the uh, Tony's paranoia about Melfi, I didn't realize this until the second time I watched this episode in preparation for this, was almost running into Silvio, yeah. who was leaving the dentist. Yeah. And so there's a there's a real concern Good of the catch. proximity. Yeah. Uh, so I I openly kind of thought it was more paranoia at first, but seeing that prime example was sort of the well, I understand why you're concerned. Though I don't think Sil would have had an issue, or maybe. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, I I think that Silvio's his boy. Silvio's yeah. his boy. And I think we know that from from just the his the knowledge that we yeah. have of the show. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Silvio's his concern. I'd be more concerned if Pauly saw. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I think that there's obviously a lack of knowledge or, dare I say, ignorance on mental health from all the other people in the family. So I don't know if I, I would trust anybody with that kind of information. You know, you're you're spilling your guts to somebody. They don't understand HIPAA laws or, or anything like that. I wouldn't assume that they do. So, you know, if I was in that family and somebody was talking out of turn, that, that would be something that I'd be pretty concerned with. So I'm sure Tony would put probably take action if somebody else was doing what he was doing too yeah but but i think i think silvio's is chris paul to his james harden oh boy here we go (laughs) i think his to answer your question of why is he so interested in her uh, it's one of the few people that he's opened up completely to and not knowing enough about her i think gave him some concern that he needed to know more about her because he shared so much about himself and he after he has uh her followed and gets info. She opens up to him in a way that wouldn't have happened. She had opens that up to him a lot. Wouldn't have taken place. What, what's up with that? She's a professional. She's been doing this. I'm going to go back to the doctor over here. Why is she confiding in him so much? And we're going to see that this becomes well, a recurring when, theme. You know, maybe maybe I I'm I'm missing the boat here. But when when does she kind of confide in him? She I, tells him that she tells him that her friend got beat up by a oh that's by right a that's cop. right that's right. And then yeah. later on, there's a whole episode yeah. devoted to something that happens that's, to her. Well, yeah, Why and I think she, I think that she has her momentary slip-ups that one in particular she's, I think she like apologizes trying, for and she calls herself out as being unprofessional and, and immediately moves on and I, I think for the obviously you know later on we get into different things but at least in the beginning she does a pretty good job of setting the boundaries and keeping things professional I actually have a little bit more of a cynical take on on why Tony wants to know more about her you know he's given her all of all of this information I think he's a little concerned about trusting her in general so he wants to just learn more about her and see if she's trustworthy but i also feel like you know he kind of wants to maybe have some leverage over her and and just know something about her and see one what whether she's the type of person that he can trust and two like if she's she's into any like weird stuff and you know when when vin brings up the fact that she sees a therapist that's when that's when red flags go up and he's and he goes what like he's really kind of nervous that the person that he's 
trusting with all this information, the person that he thinks is the most sane person in the world just by the nature of her job is the person that's also messed up in the head like he is. When in fact, when you're a therapist, you are required to see somebody else for counseling. No um, way. Yeah, as part of your as part of your training, at least when, when I was going through that, I knew that, uh, for my hours, you had to have X amount of hours seeing somebody else. You know, you can't treat somebody else if you have your own shit, or at least if you're not working on it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It kind of, uh, like a checks and balances. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a practice what you preach type thing. I liked the little tidbit that we got in the car ride on the way to the date when she mentioned she wants a, a man who's sensitive to your needs, but still decisive enough for the occasional grope in the closet. And isn't it like, funny how he's reduced to like a, not even a fraction of that when she goes to see him later on? Yeah, yeah. he's completely so, emasculated. And yes. she pulls yeah. the cleavage move, waiting <laughs> yeah. for him to answer. And he's it completely just, oblivious to it because he's just so afraid. Yeah. That was a nice, that's a nice uh, show, don't tell. It's the classical Hollywood thing where when you're in good writing, you want to show the listeners and the viewers what's going on, but you don't want to tell them. They basically painted a portrait of that, of that actor without any words. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's all we have on, well, no, let's see. Okay, this is a recurring theme. Tony using Melfi's, this is theme three, Tony using Mel, taking a Melfiism and adopting it yeah. into his worldview, yeah. um, which I think is basically the whole fulcrum of this show, this episode. I have it labeled the illusion of control. Yeah. What's going on with this illusion of control? What's Melfi telling him and what, what does Tony make with it? She recommends a book and it's about how to deal with elders. Yep. And so for me, the reason that I made it a theme is very basic. What happens at the end, Tony tells his captains that, and, and then he goes to Uncle Junior in that moment when you think that there's going to be a bloodbath, when you think that there's going to be a war and everybody's going to go to the mattresses, you assume that there's going to be some sort of a conflict. But when Melfi tells him, Would it hurt you to let your mother think that she's still in charge? You have children, you know what they're like. You know that sometimes it's important to let them have the illusion of being in control. He decides to go to him with open arms and say, look, the title is yours. But you're the you're the acting yeah. boss, and why yeah. is he the acting boss? Because uh, he's a lightning rod at the top. To, well, Jack, to, well, Jackie Aprile has passed away, yeah. and they're at his funeral, or this is right before the funeral. But basically, let him take the heat. We're still going to earn. He doesn't know what we kicked up to Jackie. Mm. That's what he tells him. Mm -hmm. And so based on that Melfi, Melfi's thing, like, would it be so bad if they thought they had control? Tony shows you how he can take a good advice and he can really practically lead. And, and that's that's the reason yeah. why it's a theme. He does this yeah. often. He'll, he'll act on someone else's advice or he'll take a tip. He'll insulate himself and he still calls the shots. And what does he get from uh, Junior? He, tells he gets Junior, the uh, Bloomfield Casino and control the unions in return. Yeah. I mean, I when this first aired, I remember being really drawn into this episode, waiting for the shit to hit the fan. And there's just, like, you know, there's no bloody climax to this well, New Jersey power struggle. A little bit of blood with Mikey Palmisi. You want to talk about what happens? What, uh, happens, what happens to Mikey Palmisi? Well, he got, he got a little too attached to a suit. <laughs> yeah, there's some tailoring. I, did we, you guys, meme, did you guys well. meme that scene? Because that scene has got, like, it's a Home Depot. We have, that's a uh, Home we have Depot a couple, commercial. We've we had a, a discussion, and we'll bring you how into this, too. It, one of it was how Italians tailor their suits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. But my thing is, he grabs the ticket, and then at the end, after he lays a couple of staples, he says, this is overdue. And I thought there yeah. was a double entendre there. Absolutely. Because I think it was, the ticket was overdue, yeah. but it 
He was also overdue for beating one hundred percent. I totally really nice. wanted to do that. You guys are letting me into the mind of like <laughs> meme extraordinaires here, and I totally see what you're talking about now. No, the other thing that I liked was I don't know if you caught this, but he it wasn't a gun, but he wipes it like it's a gun, like uh, from the Godfather. Yeah, the Godfather yeah, scene. There is a Godfather and he, and he throws the staples. Was it you guys looked that up? Was that a Godfather reference? It, it is absolutely a Godfather reference. There's he drops it the same this. way that Michael Corleone drops it right after killing uh, Salazar. I didn't really catch it until I watched it again, or I must have missed it all those years ago, but such little subtleties. He sees the staple gun at the hospital and that's oh, where and he gets zoom in and the yeah, get the idea yeah. for it. So Mikey, we learn the reason that he doesn't want, Christopher wants to go take him out. Christopher wants DEFCON 4, Christopher wants revenge and Mikey Palmi sees the hitman but we yeah. learn that he's a made guy. Yeah. And it's the first time that we kind of hear or see this conflict and tension about like, you can't touch a made guy. Yeah. What is it? Do, do either of you guys have not you, do you so want to let me, let me go what into my deep, deep knowledge of good fellas. Yeah. What, what is a made guy? So basically a made guy is someone that can be traced back to the old country. Um, their family goes back. You got to be a 100% Italian. That's why uh, Jimmy the Gent, who is Irish, and Henry Hill, who is half Irish, half Sicilian, couldn't be made, and Tommy Tommy could be. Um, obviously, he didn't get that far. Henry Hill didn't bec- get wasn't didn't become Hen- a made guy. No, no, no. He was he had uh, he was half Irish. Um, okay. Yeah. So basically, what are the, what are the t- once you're in the club? Yeah. Okay, you go through the initiation, which we'll talk about. It's yeah. one of the episodes. We'll, we'll just devote we'll devote it to initiation mm-hmm. scene. But for today, what are the rights? Once you're a made guy, what are your sort of, what, Basic, what is on your card? Yeah. Basically, if you're a card carrying member. I mean, member. The, the general idea is that you have a license to basically do anything that you want. You can steal from anywhere. You can uh, pick a fight with anybody as long as it's not another made guy. And if it is another made guy, you got to take it up the chain and make sure it's okay. Um, but you can basically mess with anybody and nobody else can mess with you or else they'll feel the full wrath of the organization. So then why did Tony mess with the made guy? Well, he didn't necessarily mess with him. I, maybe it's a ranking sort so of. pecking order? Well, I mean, I, to be honest like, with you, I think that Tony was out of line. Tony probably... Oh! Yeah, yeah. I mean... We know we we see that in future episodes that that shit goes down and and Tony's rage is kind of out of control and well, obviously yeah he I steps mean, he, out of line he, he goes he goes overboard with a lot of made guys as I we'll think see, he was but. just tailoring his suit I, <laughs> I think there's no harm no foul and he went in and made good with Junior at the same time so maybe no, there was not, a deleted no, scene was, imaginary yeah. where Mikey comes running in all upset That's, and Junior goes. Don't worry about that's it. when Tony goes in and talks to Uncle Junior, and that's when Junior kind of gives him the ultimatum. Out. Next time you come in, you come heavy or not at all. That was Junior just testing him, that like Nofi said, though, right? Because yeah. he he goes from extending the olive branch to saying come heavy he's trying to see how far he can push it was a nice setup for Melfi to well, basically he also tried to take Christopher from Tony's crew yeah yeah uh, <laughs> Christopher's a good earner he's coming yeah. up you know yeah. he's, he's, he's he works for up. me now so uh, the fourth theme that uh, I think th- I think the illusion of control we're going to come back to basically that's a it's a sub theme of Melfiisms. I think we've pretty much beat that one mm-hmm. to the ground. Um, I did like at the end that uh, that you you mentioned lightning. Silvio says there's all the lightning rod to take the heat, yeah. but Hash loves the idea. Smart, very smart. So it's you're getting this validation, this worldview validation on Tony's decision making prowess, mm. and he he's content. Because he's running things, and his uncle, let's face it, his uncle's not in the game really anymore. At he's the got, funeral of their old boss. At their too. old it's boss. So it's pretty apropos. quick, right? Like, yeah. let's, let's get going. But now let's segue to theme four, because who is at this funeral? AJ Jr. Tony's yeah. son is there, and I would say about 50% of this episode is devoted to kind of 
introducing us to AJ, right? Yeah, he's yeah. he's a troubled teen. He's getting into fights. Yeah. Break down what's going on with AJ in this episode. Uh, so AJ has some trouble at school with a, a mutual friend, uh, which leads to some perceived intimidation from Tony to the boy's father, uh, which leads to a potential fight that happens on the playground. Uh, the kid backs down and that ultimately brings us down this path where Meadow then explains to AJ why no one wanted to mess with him. And it's because Tony Soprano is his father and he's not just any old guy. He's a mafioso. He's a gangster. He's a criminal. Yeah, when he's finally about to have that showdown at the pit at 3 o'clock after school, <laughs> uh, that kid says, oh, yeah, he really didn't want to fight you. Did and, you guys ever have one of those growing up? I was just going to say, I think everyone, I think everyone had a pit. Does, yeah. 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 <laughs> did, you, did you win yours, John? I wasn't a fighter. I was a lover. I was did you, too did you win yours, Justin? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> it's you got so hit in the head too many times. <laughs> yeah. I won mine, but uh, it was an unfair fight, and, and, I, and I actually regret it. And if uh, the guy's name was Ray. Um, anyway, I digress. Hey, Dr. Justin, I have a question oh, regarding no. AJ. So they do have a reference where he mentions how they used to have, or they had bought some M80s to blow up frogs. And, uh-huh. uh, isn't there a correlation? I know later on in the episode, or not episode in the series, uh, there's a mention of AJ possibly hurting a cat in uh, the episode An Army of One. Uh, is this the sort of behavior that would uh, young people who hurt and kill animals usually wind up as sociopaths as adults? Um, Maybe Chase was grooming AJ to be a loser from the very I first think, season. I, th- I mean, I think that that was the kind of the plan all along for AJ is that he's just somebody that never going to live a, up to his yeah, dad. Yeah, never going to live up to his dad, and just I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd go as far as saying he was a troubled teen or anything like that as, as I mean you can definitely make the case but I, I'd say that he's just not the most bright and doesn't have the most potential obviously has like some learning disabilities I, I wouldn't say that he has like sociopathic tendencies although you can make the case for that as well but I don't I don't know if they really emphasized him like hurting animals or or anything like that too much I think the you know I think every kid likes to play with M80s and blow shit up. Uh, maybe maybe I, I didn't pick up magnifying glasses yeah, and ants, ants. man. <laughs> I'm surrounded by sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs> My um, thing was uh, microwaves, insects and microwaves. Oh, you're yeah. a sick fuck. Yeah. A little nostalgia in the episode. Uh, Tony and AJ. I'm in the Tony's a good dad club. I'm, I'm probably a ranking member, but it's of a small group. No, no, I'm with you. I'm but, with you uh, on that. But uh, he plays uh, N64. With yeah. AJ and I love that. Did you yeah. guys? Uh, did you, did you guys have that? You guys are young. You guys are young. No, no. Virus, oh, that, man. That right I will take you down in Mario Kart oh, right man, now. Mario Kart was the best. <laughs> well, was arguably the best. the best video game ever, being played by characters from the best TV show ever. I mean, but there is a, a spoof. So while Tony's cheating because he's a bad father. <laughs> he wasn't pressing the throttle. Go back and watch. He's only <laughs> using noticed, the steering. I noticed it was different. Uh, John, would have uh, John's, John's yes. conspiracy corner. Unless he had like some cheat code or something. But uh, I thought that was a little cool piece of nostalgia. I mean, obviously when the show was made, it was the current thing. But uh, so AJ, AJ learns, Meadow, Meadow kind of breaks the news to him. They go to this website. We got a phone call. And thank you for the listeners 
and the people that are involved with the with the show in the very beginning. Uh, we've gotten a, we actually got a bunch of voicemails. Uh, some of them are for stuff that is later on in the season, which we'll address as it comes. But one of the questions today was about the website and how antiquated and old school it was and what the domain was. We'll see if we can find out some details. But basically, Meadow breaks it down that her dad is that their dad is not in the waste management yeah. business. And the episode ends with AJ's sort of like perfect triangular realization. He sees his dad, he sees his other family, and then he sees his family. And then there's Meadow in the middle kind of winking at him, yeah. kind of acknowledging like, look, this is now, now you're in, now you're yeah. part of this thing. I think that that's him accepting it. You know, you, you go from, I think, one or two episodes prior where they're trying to retrieve the stolen Saturn that that's mm. AJ's like science teacher's car and he's basically right right after they find it he's, he literally says my dad's a hero and you know you kind of go in a couple episodes later and now he's accepting the fact that his dad is a, a mob boss you know involved in all this illegal activity but he looks he just looks at him he's like oh that's my dad you know I, I love him and I'm, I'm accepting it that's kind of how I I thought the show ended um, yeah, and it ended with the Mazzy Star song, who's one of my favorite artists. Uh, the title of the song is Look On Down From The Bridge. Mm. And I just feel like there's a ton of irony there with the son looking at his dad as that song cues up. And, and, and he's kind of realizing that smirk. his whole life is kind of like he sees what his whole life is yeah. and, and, and the trajectory that it's going to go on. There's only two outcomes, as, as we'll learn from Tony. It's in the can or the other yeah. thing. Both outcomes are not good. Um, so that's it for themes. Are there any key moments or uh, I any wanted other to, episode yeah. particulars I you want to jump bring, into? I wanted to bring something up, and I don't know, maybe I'm just over overthinking this, but there's that there's that scene where Vin McKazian's talking about, like, I got some nice snaps of uh, Melfi and, like, Victoria's Secret stuff, and, like, Tony gives him just, like, this disgusted look, and obviously we know what Tony thinks of Vin as a degenerate gambler and can sum him up in one sentence, but... The I don't look, know. The I, look he gives him when I he think, asks him for Advil. You in any Advil? What am I, a fucking pharmacy now? Yeah, and I mean, he just treats him like dirt in general, and he thinks he's a scumbag, which he is. But I kind of looked at Tony a little bit differently. I don't know. I think of Tony as somewhat of a amoral character, but but right there, he kind of holds Melfi in this high regard. Like, if she was just some, some other broad, why wouldn't he just be like, sure, you know, I'll be a, a scumbag with you and look at this. But I, I think that that kind of showed that he also holds Melfi to, to a higher regard, and it kind of harkens back to what you were saying, where he views Melfi as maybe like another type of mother figure, even though he's obviously, like, sexually attracted to her, and at least in that moment, kind of doesn't want to objectify her. True. I don't, know. I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or if that, that part like stuck out. Maybe I'm just the... No, the Tony Melfi thing is the my, one of my favorite... See, it's like maybe 40 to 50% of the show for me. And then not necessarily the attraction. Like when you spend enough time with somebody, they start to yeah. look better and better. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's just human nature. But just sort of his reliance on her and then as we'll learn, her reliance on him, she kind of... She kind of sees the utility that he provides in society in many ways. And this, this, uh, you get the first glimpse of that when she mentions to him what happened to her friend. She's not overtly saying, help me, but she's implying, like, you have the ability to actually do something about this, and I don't. Mm-hmm. And this comes up a couple more times. And I like that. I like that it, she's, she's a human, too. She's not a robot. You know, she's scripted, and she says her things that she's supposed to say per HIPAA, per whatever, but she's a human, too. 
and she's dealing with real issues and her and Tony have that play back and yeah. forth and they're in and out of each other's lives over and over again as we'll see. This was the first example of that too, him saying, I'm out, I'm yeah. done. And then he yeah. comes back. I think it was last week we got into a little bit of a theme about um, the differences between the old time and the, the new guys. And through the research, I noticed there's a powerful illustration of the differences between Tony's generation and the older, like with Uncle Junior and their choice of surroundings. So Uncle Junior occupies a coffee shop and you see him twice in the episode hanging out there while his colleagues operate a, a strip club. And I just thought that generation gap was at work again. So you got to see the, the two crews at work in different settings. Totally. When you watch the show as much as I do, I, I start to notice things every time. I Did you notice when they go to, when Chris and Adriana pick up Meadow uh, from school, um, two things. The stunt double that's driving the car looks nothing like Adriana, and you get two shots of <laughs> really? it. Really? So it's like overtly a little little spoof there. I got to go back and see that. I have a note on that. She's driving a beater Ford Explorer. Yeah, what's up was with that? Was that a budgetary choice, or was that just a backstory? Well, she, that was she's, a yeah. she was or, a server. She was a server. Not isn't, even she was a hostess. Chris isn't made yet. Chris yeah. is, isn't even like ranked, okay. really. So okay. It was just a, it was a curious choice for New Jersey Italian mob. Yeah. You would be something a little more... Buicky. Well, I saw a reference uh, two episodes prior when uh, they're dropping off the DVDs. They point out that Polly's driving a Ford Escort. I'm yeah. Like, what? What is yeah. Polly doing hmm. with a Ford Escort? Maybe there was a Ford connection there. But back to that scene. So Hunter, do you notice Hunter says, <laughs> "Yeah, did uh, did Brendan get my poem?" Yeah, I I picked up on which that alludes too. to sort of the the eyeing that goes on when they try to score a crystal. Yeah, yeah. So I I imagined what the poem would be. Okay. And it goes, roses are red, thanks for the crystal. You didn't call me because you were shot with a pistol. Did you sign that? Did you copyright that? That's a nice piece of work there. I'm um, here all night, folks. No, I noticed that, that too. There was a moment that they had, and uh, it was uh, unfulfilled love, unfortunately. If that uh, poem is out there, David Chase, we want it. <laughs> I'm sure it's better than mine was. So let's see. What else do we want to talk about here? One thing uh, that was a subtlety that Junior, apparently Junior comes up with a lot of uh, literary quotes. Yeah. I'm sitting here like fucking patience on a monument, waiting for discipline to be handed down. Patience on a Monument is a Shakespeare line from yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah. Junior comes up with more of those. He has more Shakespeare in his pocket, which is, I, I think, is a throwback to his era. Yeah. And, but also his learnedness. He's quite a scholarly junior. Yeah, and he it's funny because he he actually says that exact line later, later on, on in the series. Yeah. yeah, he says a couple of things. I, I noticed that in researching for these shows, lines are recycled. But it also shows you that they're living in a timeline, mm -hmm. and they're going to say, we say the same things to each other, yeah. they're going to say the same things to each other. So. so I thought we'd finish up with some questions. I was just curious how we get lobster at the bada bang. That, yeah. that was... Postmates. Oh, that, okay. was Postmates, that was Postmates. That was Postmates uh, New Jersey style. <laughs> Strip That's, clubs and lobsters. That's Postmates how I before no crabs. <laughs> uh, Postmates before Postmates was Tony making a phone call and food being delivered. Lobsters being delivered. Um, Carm thinks Melfi is a him in yeah. this episode. Yeah. Tony doesn't correct her. Why? I think that he. I don't think it's that he doesn't correct her. I think he told her that it's a man. Not not directly saying you know my doctor is Jim Melfi, but I think that he didn't want her to know that it's he has a female psychiatrist. So I think that I'm sure whenever he mentioned his doctor, he would say, you know, use like male pronouns, him, he, uh, I'm going to go see him. I mean, this is just my, my speculation, but I don't, I don't take it as he's, he's cheating on her and, 
it, like that's what I'm like. He's trying to hide something. Um, I think he knows that that Carmela is super jealous, rightfully and would be so, and would be suspicious if he was seeing uh, a female psychiatrist and talking to a female about all of these problems. I think she's just assuming. I think he's she's assuming, and I'm sure that Tony's kind of led her to believe that as well. I don't think he's just confirming her her like assumption. I think he's probably led her to believe that. Yeah, I I think he could have been his personal trainer, his stylist. Or whoever makes his, yeah. his dinner at the Bing, it if it was ever alluded that it was a woman at this stage of his uh, adultery, yeah, that it would just cause more problems. And he thought that she'd never know the difference, so just leave it as the way she thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm still curious about it, and I'll throw it back out to the listeners too. If you guys have any thoughts or feedback on Tony's, just like. His deception for, like, insignificant things. Like, he deceives... Deceiving on big, important things is one thing, but something that's that I would argue is, like, completely innocuous, he doesn't ever... Cor- he doesn't correct, and he does this a couple of times, and I don't know if it's part of his psyche. I don't know if it's... Or, or if there's some... If it's unintentional. Just to kind of... I'll throw that out there, and, we'll, and we're going to be revisiting that again. I cheated, and I watched a couple of episodes ahead, and something similar comes up. But I think that is... All that's all I got for mm. episode four. What about you guys? Yeah, that's that's it for me. I mean, I, I do think that one thing was super important, and and you talked about it with uh, Tony getting his ideas from Melfi and putting into action. That was probably the biggest part of the entire show mm-hmm. is him getting the advice that you should just give give them a little bit, and he takes that advice that she's giving him to just like cope with his mother and maybe be nicer to his uncle but instead he takes that all the way to the extreme of giving his uncle the the title the reins yeah giving the title as boss so i think that's so important he also to finish your point he tells melfi that he's decided to stay in therapy because yeah she gave him a lot of good ideas i love and i love the way he puts it before is that the first time that he it's says the first that, time yeah. that he says I'm gonna well he said I'm gonna be I'm done I can't do this anymore this yeah. is too risky but then he says I get a lot of good ideas here <laughs> yeah. about about coping how yeah. to cope yeah, yeah. And, I, and the I, way he delivers that line it's kind of like he's almost he's caught with his pants down yeah like he doesn't want he thinks that she can see that he's using her advice for ill game yes you know yes fascinating stuff yeah next week we'll talk episode five we're going Guys, to college we're going to college it's one of the one of the best yes, episodes absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely. universally acclaimed as one of the best episodes mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is going on i'm excited Guys, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, We'll see you next week. And Justin, next time you come heavy or not at all. (laughs) 